Welcome to next episode of Life at Apollo podcast. In today's episode, I will be chatting with our solution architect. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Shanes. Thanks for the invitation. I know it took some time to chase me, but we finally made it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So many of our colleagues asked me uh, when Andrea will have his part on this podcast so i think we will actually please many of them by recording right. this episode <laughs> all right uh how are you today uh i'm good thanks i'm a little bit nervous to be honest you know this is my first time <laughs> but i'm excited at the same time yeah how are you all good yeah don't worry about that indra um because it's my fourth episode and I'm still really nervous and I will right. probably mess it up before you even start so don't worry about that and as you asked I'm doing quite well <laughs> and as you hear we should probably kick this off <laughs> all right uh, let's start with the first question and it's the traditional one how long are you part of the Actum company well I've been around for like almost five years However, this is currently my second round in Ectum. So first time I joined in 2015 and I stayed here for like two years, I think. And it was great two years. I was working for Metro Systems or Metro Cash and Carry, which is one of the biggest European retailers. And I, I know Radek talked about this yeah, in the previous it. podcast. Yeah, yeah. And we, we did there a huge replatforming uh, with the Sidecore uh, content experience platform. So it was a great experience. But anyway, I somehow sort of found myself being stuck on the same place. So then I decided to explore some other opportunities. And I joined a Belgian company that had an office in Prague. And I was working there also with Sidecore and the same sort of technology stack. But it was just different clients and different projects. And then after a year working there, I actually got the offer from a director of the Prague office that they were seeking some tech lead and sidecore architect to join them actually on, on the headquarters office. So I, I, I was lucky to be the chosen one. Uh, however, it also meant to actually move to Belgium for me. And uh, so because I was young and full of energy back then, I went all in. <laughs> You said it like you were 100 years old right now. Uh, I'm getting there <laughs> every year closer. Yeah, And uh, yeah, funny thing though is that uh, the client of that project in Belgium was actually based in Maastricht, which was in Netherlands. So me, me and the team traveled a couple of days each week to Netherlands, you know, just to sit at their offices so they can see us around you know makes sense yeah <laughs> so we were traveling like three times a week and so basically the guy who originally comes from a central bohemia was working or was employed in prague but he was located in belgium driving to netherlands for work yeah right? so, <laughs> and i i think i spent there like a year and it was it was a good experience anyway uh 
two and a half years ago, I rejoined Actum. So I, I came back to the family, right? And <laughs> I still see the same good people around, which is great. And in fact, it's not only me who rejoined Actum, but there are there are more of us uh, currently working back in Actum. So I would say this says something great about the company, to be honest, that people are actually coming back. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it happens sometimes, but I think it's mostly of the end of the project and they uh, hop on back after yeah. a while. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always like the people see your neighbors grass a bit more greener, yeah, yeah. right? Then... But then <laughs> you, you go somewhere else and then you just yeah. realize it's reality everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So... That was also my case, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happily employed back in Actum. And as I said at the very beginning, it's almost five years. Time, time flies really yep. fast. And total is a while. And we are happy to have you, of course. <laughs> and regarding the switch, I think that is also a good experience to have a look and try something else. Every experience counts and makes That's you grow. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. Totally yeah. worth it. Uh, all right, next traditional question for you, Yendra, and that is how did you get to your current position as a solution architect? Well, that's a great question. Uh, for that, we will have to travel back in time to 1987, you know, so I can explain you all my bad life choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if we, if we talk specifically about Actum, mm-hmm. I joined the company as a senior.NET developer back then. Yeah. And I have already had several years of programming experience from various projects, companies from the past. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. my first job here in Actum was basically a website development, like backend programming. Mm -hmm. And uh, since the team I was assigned into worked uh, with Sidecore, Mm -hmm. which is something like CMS on steroids, let's say. (laughs) Yes, I'm saying it's like a Ferrari, but you have to know how to drive it. (laughs) That's true. So I had to quickly run basically the whole sidecar technology mm-hmm. and the architecture to become valuable for the team, of course, right? Yeah. So because the problem with sidecar is that it's not something you learn deeply within a week, but it really takes time to understand the whole platform mm-hmm. on the deep, deep technical level in order to make you know important technical decision. You are not going to regret later, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people people often say that, you know, Sidecore is something like pineapple on pizza. You either love it or hate it. Uh, so that brings me to a question, Shana. Do, do you love pineapple on pizza or not? Uh, it's a tricky one because the answer will be the opposite of what we should <laughs> present in here. So <laughs> to answer your question, no, I don't. Actually, I like pineapple and pizza. Ah, uh, okay. I do love it, but just don't <laughs> yeah. don't tell anyone and make sure you cut this part off, okay? Yeah, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> and Indra, where uh, did the idea of leaving the development and dive into solution architecture appear? So basically, as the time passed by, I became more engaging with the development team and product owners. And I sort of naturally started transforming myself 
into more people bit person, of like yeah. tech lead or <laughs> architect position. Mm-hmm. So I start started spending more time with clients and technical analysis and technical presentations for our customers. And because as an architect, you always have to be like one step ahead of others from a technical point of view, at least. Mm-hmm. So also like five years ago, approximately, I started to learn about cloud technologies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So especially Microsoft Azure in my case, uh, because it also made a l- logical sense back then because Sitecore platform started to move to cloud, basically. Mm-hmm. So all the on-premise solutions and the like every company had its own mm-hmm. servers and uh, warehouses sort of and now everyone is moving to cloud right so it's good to know all of these things up front before before it actually happens mm-hmm. uh, and besides that approximately like two years ago mm-hmm. martin our division director, director yeah came to me to uh, Basically, during the time Apollo has been just announced, he mm-hmm. came to me and he gave me opportunity to be a solution architect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I took it. I, it. It was a challenge for me to, to do this kind of work because I, I was still, you know, programming and doing all the things. But you are doing it still right now. Uh, not not anymore, actually. I, I just don't have time for it. Mm. I do a bit of development and programming, but not really in my work. Uh, it's it's more like to keep myself the the knowledge and you know not to miss the train. In, if, yeah, if I would say. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, my my work day is not about programming anymore. It's more like analysis. But we will probably talk about it a bit later as well. So yeah, so here I am now. That's basically a quick version of me becoming a solution architect. All right, all right. Um, do are you satisfied with that? Uh, yes, I actually like it because it's not a lot of stereotype mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. in this role. Because if you're a developer, you're basically coding. It is creative job though to be a developer. Not not uh, doubt about that. But this being a solution architect. Uh, offers more variety, I would say. Yeah. All right. All right. I think I'm satisfied with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And how did would you describe your work? What are you actually doing when proposing some solutions to a new client? Mm-hmm. So, well, first off, the solution architect might have slightly different meanings in various companies, yeah. but in Actum, it's someone who connects basically the development team, mm-hmm. be it programmers or testers with with the client Mm -hmm. which is uh, product owners or stakeholders and by connecting i mean it's not just about communication you know to be all on on all the endless meetings (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's uh, more about setting up a certain standards and expectations on both sides Mm -hmm. and that comes together with including all the possible compromises you need to do on on the way Mm -hmm be it technical or budget-related compromises or sometimes even emotional, of course. (laughs) And on top of it, you just need to keep smiling and be persuasive to to the client. Uh, So that's one of the challenges here. And I would say besides that, uh, that role of solution architect in Actum is also responsible for technical analysis Mm -hmm. and all upfront preparations. 
It could be a technical documentation, mm-hmm. some architecture diagrams, or proof of concepts, and of course, presentation of outcomes uh, of your of your analysis and your work, basically. Mm-hmm. And you know, just to make sure our development team has all important information right from the start, mm-hmm. and also making sure that we don't miss something important as a company at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, all right. And how often happens that you are surprised by clients' demands? Because I suppose that you are prepared for the presentation, you have the ideas in the in it, but then clients figure something else on the way. Um, how do you react to it, actually? Well, I'm not... I would say I'm not really surprised with like the requirements mm-hmm. from coming from the client because they are more or less, let's say, expected Same. or repetitive. Yes, but what comes as a surprise sometimes is the their unawareness of their system and capabilities. Yeah, okay. So sometimes we are having discussions that they they need to do this and that, mm-hmm. and they think their systems for this way or that way. And that our work will be just do this little thing here. But then during the technical analysis, we often discover that it's not that easy as they initially thought uh-huh. because their systems are not providing what they thought they're providing. That could be one of the problems or the, the, the solution is simply more complex than it was anticipated at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these kind of surprises happens and that's why we are doing and trying to do a lot of discovery and you know technical analysis mm-hmm. and workshops before we actually do any kind of commitment with the clients just to keep the transparency on the high level and as i said the expectations same on the same on the both sides uh-huh it sounds like very challenging work because you have to keep the relations and technical facts balance there. yes Yes, but yeah, true. it seems really interesting and I think that you have to be really creative to come up with the ideas on the way to keep it, you know, smooth on the both sides. <laughs> uh, th- that's true. I-, I would say, yes, one one part is definitely the creativity mm. uh, and then, of course, the other part is sort of a repetitive solution mm. you are doing somewhere else. Which is not necessarily bad because you have proven that those solutions are working, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad thing to use the same approach on the on for different client or, or on the different solution, mm-hmm. right? Because you you know this works and it's okay to, to use it that way. All right. Um, other question, which is not related to your work position, but. How was your first year at Apollo Division? Uh, well, I think it's been pretty good. Mm. Uh, I think Actum in general has been known for its great company culture and keeping nice people around, mm-hmm. right? And people here not only maintain their work relationships, but they often become friends and hang out outside of work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's nice. And I do have myself few people from Actum or Apollo Division. I actually meet regularly. Mm-hmm. And besides that, in Apollo, there is always an opportunity to learn new things or just keep improving whatever you currently focus on at your career. So we are often encouraged 
by um, management or Martin mm-hmm. director to take courses or obtain certifications like .NET guys or .NET developers do some Microsoft mm-hmm. uh, certifications or DevOps certifications or Azure mm-hmm. and even the management people do do some certifications from the Scrum Alliance right mm-hmm. so there is really space for everyone to, to pick something to cherry pick something they want to improve in And I think that's a win-win situation, actually, because it helps both the company, of course, and it helps your career growth as well. Mm. So, but anyway, the, the first year in Apollo, if we speak specifically about Apollo division, which is still young, I would say, mm. uh, it was mostly the year 2020, right? And it has been influenced by this coronavirus yeah. shit <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. So everyone spent a lot of time at, at their homes. Mm. Uh, but I think our Apollo gang <laughs> made it absolutely fine, actually, and uh, everything worked smoothly. So that that's great, and that's a good spirit we we have in place, I would say. Yes, I would say we have to look from the other point of view that we actually survived the bad. So now it can only get better, I would say, right? Well, that's that's true. That's true. Yes. Okay, Indra. Uh, As we mentioned before, you have to communicate with both. That means clients and developers, right? Correct. What are the main points you are focusing on when communicating with clients? Mm-hmm. So I would say, well, when starting a new project, mm-hmm. well, first off, uh, we need to know what is the like business case we are dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. What the client wants. Clients, they usually know pretty well what is their pain and what they want to improve or digitalize Mm -hmm. or maybe automate even but on the other hand they might not really have a clear vision on how to exactly solve their challenges right Mm -hmm. and on top of that they often fight with their IT departments about different expectations, mm-hmm. for example, right? Or they are decentralized in smaller business u- units across different countries sometimes. Mm-hmm. And each of the business unit wants to push their priorities and needs first, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the challenges and one of the things we focus on. And then... Uh, This is when the digital agency like us steps in mm-hmm. and we analyze the business situation and we start designing solutions for their problems. Mm-hmm. And even though each client is unique, some of the challenges uh, we face are repetitive as, as we already talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And already we already have experience with those. So we also know the ways how to solve these particular challenges which is great. Mm. And so when it comes to solution architect role, uh, I'm usually quite busy at the beginning of the project, obviously. Mm. And we often organize certain workshops with the client mm. and we draft some proposals and proof of concepts for, for them. Mm. So before actually the, the implementation starts, we already spend decent amount of time, whatever is necessary to, to do to make sure everything is properly prepared up front. Mm. Then as a project gets into the development phase, 
I'm getting less busy, let's say, uh, as a solution architect mm. and developers are getting more busy, obviously. And uh, I'm then focusing on the other things, which could be uh, like verification of the quality we are delivering and also continuous improvements, uh, which we usually found on the way. So that's that would be my answer on this. Mm-hmm. All right. And what do you do in these situations when client has some ideas that he wants to implement and you know that is not doable, let's say? Like you propose another option for him or? Well, mm-hmm. so uh, that could be one of the one of the cases. Mm-hmm. Well, usually during the analysis and discovery and as we are like drafting the solution Mm -hmm. the client will simply see on the paper what is possible to do Mm -hmm. either with a certain budget or with the certain technologies Mm -hmm. uh, they want to either keep in place or or replace so not not really is a question to answer but uh, basically during this analysis we will find out what is possible Mm -hmm. how the things could be working together what kind of integrations we need to do because usually clients they have a lot of legacy systems Mm -hmm. they want to start something new so then you but they at the same time they are not really ready to get rid of the legacy systems because Mm -hmm. they have valuable data there for Mm -hmm. example so what do you have to do is to make some invest money and then integrate to the legacy systems until they for example like re-platform completely so as a part of the solution it always comes with uh, some sort of estimate of work Mm -hmm. and then the client simply see what is possible and what is not possible and since we as an agency are very flexible and have access to a lot of technologies and have experience Mm -hmm. in those uh, we are always able to some sort of find a good solution for what the client is able to sort of offer and invest in, I would say. Yeah, I would say that's uh, an advantage of Factum that we uh, focus on multiple technologies. So we usually have something on hand, another option for a client if it's needed. Yes, and it's also better for client to rather, you know, do like baby steps, small Mm -hmm. changes at the time rather than start something very big, which is going to become uncontrollable mm-hmm. from ma- like management point of view and even Investors. budget point of view. Yeah. So yeah, could be one of the potential problems there. Yeah. All right, Indra, thank you for clearing this out. And I think we can move from the work side to your personal one. And I would like to ask you, what are you doing actually when you out of duty? What are your hobbies and so on? Well, to be honest, it has been a strange year because of this coronavirus. So I couldn't, for example, meet with friends as mm-hmm. much as I usually do, which is one of the things I really like to do. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to me being at home, <laughs> I would say it was a decent amount of Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> for all of us. Uh, and, you know, I'm easy going person when it comes to movies so I basically watch anything so (laughs) I enjoy good movies I also enjoy bad movies and mostly comedies or sci-fi I would say (laughs) okay okay so yeah so a lot of movies and things like that especially during the winter Mm -hmm. and spring which is you know still a bit cold and yeah and besides 
doing nothing at home, <laughs> I go out actually for running, mm-hmm. uh, which helps me a bit to clear my head and uh, also do a bit of hiking. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually during the weekends, if, if I'm free, um, I'm going to travel around Czech Republic a bit, do mm-hmm. some hiking here and there, you know, like for Friday evening, Saturday, and then come back on, on Sunday, this kind of trips. And I'm actually a big fan of traveling, but last year was not not really feasible to do much. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for all of us. But I hope, Indra, for your sake and for sake all of our audience, that we get to travel next year. So yeah, that's the wish for 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned that you're watching Netflix, so... The next question is obvious. What are your favorite shows? What did you like on Netflix? Well, when it comes to naming things, my memory goes down immediately. It goes blank. <laughs> But I uh-huh. I'm, I really like the, the La Casa de Papel, the money heist in English, I think. Yeah, yeah. It has another season, yeah? Yes, yes, true, true. Didn't see I... it, uh, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm planning to. And The Queen's Gambit was nice, or... You know, the, the mm-hmm. Witcher, for example. And there are yeah. many, many others. Uh, just can't recall them. We are waiting like, for like, Witcher. Like this. <laughs> so, yeah, you are not the yeah. only one. So, but besides Netflix movies, I also like Marvel ah, yeah. movies or DC movies. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> movies like, like, like that in this mm-hmm. sort of way. Because they are relaxing to me. Yeah. And it doesn't really require a lot of thinking and attention Attention. so Mm -hmm. that's something i i like to watch yeah Uh uh all right all right i'm not gonna ask you which dome are you bigger fan of because it could lead to uh, (laughs) (laughs) other discussion but yeah you are right uh at least for me mostly the action movies are about the visuals and the effects yeah you don't have to think about it that much but yeah i i know there are a lot of fans that would disagree with me actually oh uh, yes well of course if i'm in mood uh i definitely watch something like deeper uh but but uh, yeah it doesn't happen that that often <laughs> all right all right i hope that next season will be less netflix and more traveling i hope you're right and speaking of that indra uh what is your future plan for traveling what are the countries you want to visit uh in future well i i think i would like to visit norway and iceland once again mm-hmm. and i would like to do some traveling to some caribbean countries okay. or islands like cuba or barbados because i haven't been in that area yet mm-hmm. and you know these places are very like well, exotic for us czechs mm-hmm. so this is something where i would like to go in near future if that mm-hmm. would be possible and i have also recently visited spain several times so mm-hmm. i'm actually planning to go there regularly uh, because for some reason i fell in love with spain because of the rich architecture and history mm-hmm. and i also really like the food and so i've been to spain mainland like malaga and you know countries around the mm, shore mm-hmm. uh, but i also like the balearic islands like mallorca mm-hmm. so i would like to go there again and visit that 
Oh, are you considering to buy there a summer apartment? Well, funny you ask. My my girlfriend's uh, colleague, he actually bought some sort of apartment there this summer. Mm-hmm. And so I was of, obviously checking the prices and mm-hmm. things like that. But they are already too, too high, I would say. Yeah, the reason why I asked that is that I knew a few people who did that <laughs> years ago. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that is a trend. Yeah, I, I, If they did that years ago, I, I think that was a great investment actually, mm-hmm. because they can either rent the place or if they are capable to spend their few months a year, it's even better mm-hmm. and they can just enjoy the life there. Because I think in Mallorca, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm correct, but I think like 300 days of a year are sunny days in Mallorca. Mm-hmm. So hey, <laughs> who wouldn't go there? <laughs> all right, all right. And what was the best place you have visited? besides the Spain? Well, from nature point of view, I would say Iceland mm-hmm. uh, was beautiful. And uh, I also really like the Mauritius, mm-hmm. uh, which is like true yeah. true gem <laughs> in the Indian Ocean. But if I would rate from part of my heart, I would probably say the Southeast Asia, such as Thailand, mm-hmm. Vietnam, Singapore or Bali, uh, because I have spent there months and months And these places are somehow special for me because they offer breathtaking beaches mm-hmm. and diving opportunities, for example, and delicious street food, which I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. And I, in general, I, I like spicy food. So this is really a place for me, I would say. And of course, the, the big cities like Bangkok or Singapore, which offer so many possibilities during the day and night, actually. So that's great. Yeah, and both count as uh, nice and dangerous, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you if you think dangerous as of drinking too much of beers, then yes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, actually, the cities like this are getting better. Mm-hmm. I was there uh, for the first time. I was there... 2012 and then I came back after like six years mm-hmm. and I could see the huge difference actually as the you know the era is really growing mm-hmm. like both financially and, uh, and sort of some people's vibes there I don't know even how to explain it mm-hmm. you can really see the difference actually everything's getting better there and very fast yeah the reason why I said that was that My former uh, classmate from the university sent me once the pictures of the insects in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. And I was really concerned about the size <laughs> I of found it. One. It was like really huge. So I will probably shit my pants there. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me, actually. I was on one of the Thailand island. I think it was Koh Tao. Mm-hmm. And I found some sort of insect ah, uh, no. underneath my pillow. And it was like 15, 15 centimeters. Oh. And I was, I couldn't really sleep the whole night. Uh, because it was like a bun- like a standalone bungalow you you, you mm-hmm. can rent it there right so it wasn't even like a room hotel but it was bungalow in, in the middle of the nature mm-hmm. so you you knew that there are more around yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of time when you find you know some others somewhere else so I was mm-hmm. really worried but then I sort of got used to it and yeah here I am still alive so I was lucky I guess uh, yeah sure. I'm surprised that you get used to it, but yeah, that sounds like a survivor yeah. <laughs> on the island. All right, all right. Next thing, Indra. 
uh, are you reading? And if so, what are your favorite books? Well, honestly, I'm, I'm not a book person. Mm -hmm. I have never been a book person. So although I, I would say I read a lot, but it's mainly for my educational purposes or just, just for fun. Mm -hmm. So it's either like career related, so technical stuff indeed, or some financial education, which is like stocks, investments, mm -hmm. crypto, for example, things like that. But uh, if I would or if I should recommend you a book, I wouldn't be able to, to do so. All right, all right. And how about the pod podcast or audiobooks? Do you listen to that? Uh, not really listening to podcasts. However, I do listen to, to music, of mm -hmm. course, as, as everyone else. Uh, with me, it's a bit special, I would say, because I listen absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, heavy metal, it could be rap, it could be something electronic. Mm -hmm. I don't really mind. And that's because I actually grew up, you know, 20 years ago, the music was a big part of your image, right? And yeah. the, <laughs> or it somehow felt that way. And there were like groups of people listening to heavy metal only, and they hated the ones who listened to rap. Mm -hmm. And then there were groups of people listening to rap and they hated the heavy metal guys, right? And mm -hmm. I had actually friends from both sides mm -hmm. so I, I was basically used to I used to listen everything and it sort of stayed with me and now I don't really have like special gender of music I would listen to mm -hmm. I simply cherry pick whatever you know drags my attention and I just listen to it yeah I completely get it because I don't have either first I was the 90s kid so everything what was available was played in TV everyone knows it so I was part of the pop mass culture <laughs> then my friend from the school was opera singer oh, so nice. yeah I listened to the classic but mostly to the instrumental parts not opera yeah then I had a friend from metal bands uh, also I listened to drum and bass the and rap everything so yeah i don't have the favorite uh gender i would say yeah and that's great because you have unlimited possibilities which you can pos possibly like and uh it just yes i agree i'm mostly deciding about the music based on the feeling or memories that i have when listening to it not based on which category it is all right indra i won't be torturing you for uh, longer <laughs> And I have the final question, and that is, do you have anything to say? Any wisdom you want to share with our audience? Um, some, some wisdom or something clever. Mm -hmm. mm. Honestly, <laughs> probably not. Um, I, I don't feel really entitled to, to spread any wisdoms. Just make sure you do things you like. That's the cliche, right? Mm -hmm. and make sure you enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that should be the main rule of the life you know do things that you are not pissed off that's exactly <laughs> what I yeah. wanted to say but you have found a better word <laughs> <laughs> okay guys we reached to an end of today's episode Thank you, Indra, so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jonas. It was great. I think that we fulfilled all the expectations and hopes set by our colleagues today. <laughs> it was it was fun. <laughs> I hope you guys liked it too. If you have any suggestions or recommendations, let me know. As usual, I will link all the things mentioned by Indra on our Instagram account so you can find it later. And you can be looking forward to next Monday because... 
top 20 playlist of Indra's favorite songs will be available on our Spotify. Alright, that was all from me today. Wishing you a nice rest of the week and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye!